My next guest is a producer from the Pacific Northwest. He's currently signed to Day One Entertainment, and his latest project, Sommelie, is out now. It's my pleasure to introduce Golden Beats. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Today I'm with a very special guest, the one and only Golden Beats. Here I am. There we go, man. I don't know much about you, but the one thing I do know about you that I'm just going to start here, okay? You're getting deep already. Let's go. One of my favorite artists and one of my first guests on the podcast worked has worked with you a couple years ago, and he wanted me to ask you what happened between you guys. Oh, shit. Who, who is this? So, Bryce Bowden and Trey Ross. Yeah. So tell me about your guys' background. Yeah, so um, I love both of those guys. I lived in Seattle from 2013 to 2015. Um, before then, just a little background from Orcas Island, Washington. Oh, okay. Um, so lived in Bellingham, lived in Los Angeles. Um, would come back and forth to Seattle, always worked with people here. Um, there were a couple shows where I was working with a rapper now going by uh, Mikhail. Okay. He used to go by Dexamora. Okay. Um, who I did an EP with, an LP with, um, frequent collaborator. Um, he was put on a couple bills with Trey Ross. I saw Trey Ross as, you know, I was here when I was 23 to 25, so Trey must have been... 21 just a ton of energy um into a lot of you know when we chopped it up just into a lot of the same stuff i'm into like mm-hmm. same sample sources you know like both i mean this is something that uh perry who's perry porter who's with here with me as well um we talk about brazilian jazz and all that stuff you know i'm not big into anime but anime soundtracks uh mm-hmm. big sample source etc so trey and i had chopped it up um and immediately it was like oh yup like we're gonna work together so um at the time i kind of had a rule where i you know i don't like to stay up very late i wake up at like five in the morning wait why do you wake up so early it just my body one day started <laughs> you'll see you're 20 yes when you're 30 30 something you just turn into an old man it happens um <laughs> so i wake up early i like to go to bed early it's kind of prohibitive from regular rapper hours right where you're in the studio and the show's over, uh, it's midnight, and people are like, okay, where are we going now? I'm like, I'm fucking, I'm going to bed. <laughs> um, but, you know, at the time I had a rule where if you want to work with me, you come to me. <laughs> so I want to, you know, I'm always working a job and working music. It's kind of like the nature of it until you get to a certain level. And um, my time and energy is very important to me. And it's not a knock on anyone else's time, right? So much as like, if I have more time to make more music, then I have more music to offer the world and I have more music to offer you if I'm collaborating with you, right? So right. Um, at the time, I can't remember if I was in Northgate or Wallingford, but Trey would come through and we'd chop it up. You know, he'd go home with three to four or five beats and the man is prolific, like he's remarkable. So when people first start producing, does everything they do for free or how does that work? It's different for everybody. Okay. Um, that's a really good question. So in general, my rule is I have a minimum and we'll get, we'll get back to Trey Ross. Yes. Um, 
but I have a minimum of how much I want to make at any given time for one beat because mm-hmm. it's worth something to me, right? It's worth my time. Um, it's worth transactional energy between the both of us, right? If I make a beat for someone and they don't do great stuff on it and they put it out, it's not great for me. It's not right. great for our relationship, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I want to make sure that whatever I'm doing with somebody, if I'm doing it for free because they're a close collaborator, um, everyone in day one that I work with, uh, it's in my contract. I don't charge them <laughs> um, because we have uh, shared goals, right? We have we have a shared vision. Uh, we If we win together, we win together. If one person lose, we lose together, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to make sure that anytime I'm getting a beat to a frequent collaborator that I'm working with for free, um, that A, I've got the back end taken care of. Yeah. It takes off. I want shared success. Um, but also it's marketing, right? It's like, I'm doing a song with you. I want to make sure that I'm going to get at least, you know, what my minimum is back from it through a future interaction. Right. Right. Um, so when people, a lot of people are starting out, you do whatever you can, you know, to get known. Some people just have it like that and they come out the gate swinging or they spend years honing their craft, which I suggest people do. Right. Um, before showing their shit to the world. Oh, I have one thing. What about, like, I've had Elon Wright on who has, like, the Ruby Room studio. Yep. Do they, so they charge per hour or something, I'm guessing, to be at the studio. Do they charge on top of the, to pay for the beat as well? Or is it just you're paying for studio time? Or, like, how does that? I don't know how other people's business models operate. How do you, do you um, have your own studio that you charge people to go to and then beat on top of it or how? No, I mean, I am a beat maker and a producer, but I am not an engineer. Okay. Um, I have engineered some songs but it's not in my core competency. Got it. So I try to spend time doing the things that I'm good at and can offer the world, you know, uh, whatever's more valuable. So um, most of the time, so like with Trey, for example, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We get familiar with each other. That's part of the process for me is like wanting to know someone's story, wanting to know what their references are, influences, like what really drives someone to make music. Um, that way I can read that person and say like I'm gonna send you this and this and this based on the fact that we both fuck with currency or Larry June or some shit, right? Um, or you know, what, whatever that is we can go deep on sample sources You can tell me the feeling or the energy you want and I can say let's go in that direction, but mm-hmm. um, So the situation I had was just a house. It's just the apartment that my wife and I just my girlfriend at the time were sharing um, You come through we chop it up um, these days, you know, we drink some wine. Um, but Trey, w- Trey would come through, right? And I didn't charge him for beats because I wasn't collaborating with that many people. So the best thing that could happen for me is for us to put some shit out. It gets attention. Um, and, you know, we run it back. And we've worked on songs since that LP as well. Yeah, you have a full project together, right? Yep. What's the name of that? Uh, it's, damn, is it Stay Gold? Oh, I think it is. Right? Damn, I'm a piece of shit for not knowing that. Something to do with gold. Because he had a song that was stay gold. That was like his catchphrase or something too. Perry, can you pull that up so I'm not an asshole? But it was really <laughs> it was really great working with Trey on that LP. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I guess to answer the question, to come full circle, you know, like what happened? Yes. Um, love the man. Want to work with the man. Want to kick it with the man. Um, I'm not in Seattle anymore. I'm in Portland. Mm. So I'm not around for one. Um, Two, I'm not working on LPs with people like that. Okay. Um, I've found, at least in my experience, it's most effective for me right now to collaborate with someone on a single. 
Um, if the single pops off, then make another single with that artist where we're collaborating with someone else so people's fan bases get exposed to each other. What about this? So I feel like this could be the same for older artists who've had success and also younger artists. I feel like those kind of two people are kind of in the same realm because they know what they need in a way. So like I don't feel like a lot of older, younger artists in Seattle are working with older artists because they don't think they have a lot to offer. So I feel like that can be the same way for older artists who are successful. They might not think that other older artists who aren't successful have the same to offer as well. I've got a really circuitous answer for this. Um, this is something I think about a lot. So take a city like Atlanta or mm -hmm. Chicago, which are two of the major hip hop cities in this country, right? You have a culture of mentorship. Mm. So when, you know, the, the old, you know, brother Mike's whatever the hell after school program or whatever the hell, I, I, have, I have no familiarity with it. And I work with people in Chicago who were part of that, so I should know better. But like, right, you have Chance and No Name, Vic Mensa, you have like all these people who, because one person, I mean, they really hone their craft and they're great for one, but for two, someone is successful and hands the keys to someone else, mm -hmm. right? So you have this culture of sharing success and sharing the keys and sharing the know-how. Um, you know, in business, right, barrier of entry is a huge thing, right? Mm -hmm. And artificial barrier of entry is a huge thing in music industry. So there's a lot of, uh, I think, people that are kept from being successful um, by people just not sharing the keys with each other, right? So like what you're talking about of older artists and younger artists working together, like, who, who knows if I'm a better producer than so-and-so young producer? Mm. Um, but what I have is I'm 31, and I've got years, right, of experience to say, um, I mean, I, either just to say, keep going, you're doing great, um, or to say, like, yeah, if you want to talk with so-and-so, I'll put you in touch with so-and-so. Or, hey, you know what, the way that you're doing that, you're really good at this, but I don't know if you're very effective on that let's link you up with someone else who is effective on that. So I think a lot of times younger artists um, get a taste of success and don't necessarily have all the keys to continue that into another opportunity, into another opportunity. And for older artists, right, um, maybe you've passed your wave. Like maybe, mm -hmm. right, you're not part of the young blood, you know, that's like, revitalizing a scene, right? But you still have a lot to offer. I mean, you look at a city, um, like Portland, okay. where for a long time, Cool Nuts was the biggest rapper in Portland, right? He has songs with E-40, blah, 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 blah. If I'm being honest, there's rap shows in Portland because of Cool Nuts. His, the music that he's making, no offense, Cool Nuts, love <laughs> you, man. It's not as good as a lot of the younger artists. Um, like, who's that girl? Winnie? Is it Winnie? Win. Win. Win raps her ass off. Um, I mean, there's so much talent. That's something that, like... I think goes unsaid is like people talk about we, we were we were talking this before we we started this episode right like there's a lot of talent in seattle people need to focus on the pros mm -hmm. there's a lot of talent in seattle tacoma portland we all need to collaborate on that you know we yeah. need to like share that so um anyway what i was saying about cool nuts is like he's the guy who talks to uh the fire marshal talks to the venues he has all the relationship with the venue owners he gives people, you know, an entry into mm -hmm. these venues, younger artists, 
younger managers, promoters that wouldn't have those chances. So there's a lot of benefit to be gained from younger artists and older artists um, collaborating and also like, I'm not sure age is even the, the right metric, right? Because you could be 25 and you could be way more wise and experienced than someone who's 35, right? Right. So I think everyone has their core competency. They have the thing that they're good at. They have the thing that they shine at. They shine at, but like collaboration is key one way or another there. Why, why do you think older artists don't really work with younger artists in Seattle? Is that true? I think so. I don't really see Jar of D working with any of my friends. <laughs> or, like are, I have some pretty dope friends that are like pretty well known in the scene, right? Who are your friends? Like I, my best friend in the scene is Nestra. Do you know Nestra? I don't. You know, he, he's part of. He's part of. Uh, he was part of the residency that Macklemore puts on. So a lot of those people are really connected with artists or like Wyden and Jar of D or Kung Fu Grip. Have they worked with like Travis Thompson? Like I don't think they've worked with those type of artists either. There's they're younger. I guess they have success, right? But You know, it's I don't, not it's not always it's not always because the older artists don't want to fuck with younger artists or anything like that. It's just like Jar Jar D like has a dog and a, and a kid and and a and you know I think a job I think he's an iron worker yeah. right so like not trying to not trying to hammer home on Jar of D no this whole I love lo- <laughs> no 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 yeah, yeah I I love Jar like to be honest I have met him one time I don't know him personally like that but like in 2011 when I wanted to enter the Seattle music scene like he's a dude I was listening to right more gang all the more gang shit yeah. that's shit I was listening to so. You know, like, but what about this? This, this is what my actual question. Yeah. Or example, like, I feel like that Jar of D time, Sam Chow, Nacho, Raz, all those guys, Gift to Gab, they're all connected in the music scene and they're all helping each other. So why don't if they already know what it is like to help people and they see all these people that aren't connected, why don't they step in? If they're supposed to be gatekeepers, why aren't they helping? It's not your job. Okay. So like at the end of the day, right? We all have this much energy, right? Yeah. We all have the same amount of energy. It's like, we go into this. But <laughs> at the end of the day, you can't help someone that's not helping themselves, right? Okay. So that so you can put it back on the young cats as well. You can say, hey, why aren't you going up to so-and-so and saying, hey, you have all this experience. Please impart that wisdom on me and teach me how to do Seattle, right? Mm. Teach me your wisdom. It's my experience that it's as much as that. Because personally, like, unless somebody's a fucking asshole, I'm going to give everything I have to that person until I see them not follow through on those things, right? Someone asks me for advice, I give them advice. Um, and I do this, like, another conversation aside, but like, we should never let the mid fly. Never. Like, you should be booing motherfuckers off stage if they suck. Damn, yeah. <laughs> for real. Like, we want to yeah. talk about artist subjective shit, but like, it's our it's our job, right, to put together a product that shows the Northwest in the light we want it to be seen in. So when we let the mid fly, it's no good. Do people just not know it's good, or what do you think it is? I think I work in marketing outside of music, right? right. So I work with a bunch of clients who have an idea about what their business is. Their business means something different to their customers than it does to them. Right. So we are biased by our experiences, right? We have recency bias. We have like, I'm immersed in this experience of who I am as an artist. Perry Porter might not have the same idea of Golden Beats as Golden Beats has of Golden Beats, right? Like, I 
I'm aware of my bias and I want people to fucking tell me, uh, you know, such and such isn't what you think it is or blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, so I, so I think artists don't always have an honest idea of themselves. Okay. And you want to, you want to be honest. You want to be yourself. You want to let your light shine, but it's good to run that through people, uh, in order to put good product out there. But what about people who've blown up on the internet and then they'll be able to, they find success that way. So think about this, right? Um, do you know the idea of diffusions of innovation? No. All right. Diffusions of innovation is like a marketing and sociology concept okay. where, um, say, I have a great idea, um, but I'm not very popular in my network. Mm-hmm. Um, say, you don't have the same ideas I have, but you got a podcast network, right? Mm-hmm. So you can diffuse this innovation or this idea. Um, I can have this idea and it cannot blow up, right? Right. You can have an I- idea or you can have a shared idea and it can blow up fast, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what if I put in 20 years of honing my craft and I'm prepared to go out on stage um, because it's taken longer for me to be successful? What if, you know, at a young age, you pop off on the internet, but you're not ready to back that shit up because you don't have the life experience? Mm. There's different skill sets. Do you think there's like a good age to, to blow up? No. <laughs> like, I have no idea. I haven't experienced that. It's right. been a long, slow climb for me. Um, but I but I do think like having an open mind and always being a perpetual student is like the key. Always being curious, always being interested, always keeping curious and interesting people around you. Do you think if all these, like, if you put everyone in the Seattle music scene that's talented... In like LA or Atlanta, do you think they'd blow up though? No, I mean I think if that's a great question. So not even changing who they are, literally just right now and took them there, versus if they grew up there, that'd yeah, be different. If they grew up there, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but like transplants are different, right? People aren't going to put transplants on the same way. Yeah. So it's that culture of mentorship, I think, for one. But two, it's my opinion. I'm not going to say this as like an absolute mm-hmm. fact, right? But if you think about, I mean, I think L.A. and New York are unique because they're big ass cities and they're just historically huge cities in hip hop. Yeah. Um, But cities like Chicago and Atlanta had the benefit of huge media platforms absolutely boosting the scene. Right. Mm -hmm. So like Noisy and Vice, um, both in Atlanta and in Chicago. really blowing those scenes up and we have the capital here like we have amazon we have microsoft Microsoft. we have companies we could get into capitalism and culture and shit (laughs) right like we have companies that have the capital and have the resources to support a cultural scene um we have city tax structure that could be harder on those corporations in order to drive more taxes to have a city driven or a state driven cultural scene mm-hmm. um we have the talent here do, does, we don't have the infrastructure and to boom someone up the same way those cities do well can you explain that taxing the city to bring in culture like how does oh let's fucking go um <laughs> think about countries like norway or sweden right okay they're small countries comparatively um their pop scene is incredible okay like all that shit in sync britney spears like all that 90s pop shit 
those writers were Scandinavian. <laughs> Not all of them exclusively, right? But they have tax subsidies for artist grants. Like mm. their taxes go to an actual quality of life, right? Where like people don't have to stay tied to a job for health insurance, right? They right. have actual artist grants, they have residencies, they have all these programs that make being an artist like a culturally appropriate, which here it's not right here. It's like you have to risk everything to be an artist there. It can be part of your lifestyle. Wow. Um, so we could go about it two ways, right? Um, a corporation like Amazon or Microsoft could say, hey, I think it would be of benefit to the world. Um, I mean, they can't do it with tax structure, right? They have to, they have a fiduciary responsibility to maximize profit for their shareholders. But uh, they could ostensibly say it's very important that we have a strong cultural scene here. And I'm just talking on my ass here. Like, we're going to make it so workers want to stay in Seattle long term. And we're going to create a strong cultural scene here that makes Seattle a great place to be rather than the opposite of which is what they're doing, which is... Aren't they moving out of Seattle, though? Aren't the big techs supposedly moving out? I'm not in charge of all that. All I know is that South Lake Union used to be popping. Like, I used to play shows at the Lo-Fi there. Um, I used to love that shit, and now it's a ghost town. It's a piece of shit. Damn. And that's on Amazon. Fuck Amazon. (laughs) Fuck you, Jeff Bezos. (laughs) No, for real. Damn, that's... So... So we, can we blame the Seattle scene's problems on <laughs> Amazon? No, but <laughs> but when we were talking before this episode about um, certain artists saying that they they didn't blow up because of gentrification, like yeah. I don't know if that's exactly true, but like what we're talking about, like people can't afford to live in the city, so they got to move out. So yeah. you lose the cultural heart of the city. What about when I was in LA? I booked everything in LA. Yeah, and then I had to end up. I lost like couple hundred dollars with studio time and everything because no one all the artists didn't even live in LA so no one wanted to come to LA once I booked them there's no parking they had to travel like an hour or so to get there I mean you got to travel an hour or so or more in LA like that that's the nature of the beast where where were you at I was in the heart of LA I was like fucking like What, what neighborhood or was it oh shit fuck I don't let me see. But that, that's just the that's just the nature of it, right? Some people live in the valley. Some people live in Orange County. Some people, you know, like some people live in Silver Lake. Some people people live in Santa Monica. Like L A. So I is was a beast. Where was I? I my my fucking Airbnb was on Oxford Avenue, and then the studio was only like ten minutes away from there. So I was like really in the heart of it. And like no, I had to go. Like I interviewed a ZZ Gibson. I had to go to fucking like Hollywood. I had to go like all over the place. And no one actually came to the studio except <laughs> fucking Jay Wop was like one of the only people that actually came to the studio. Jay Wop's a shit. <laughs> it was just, it was wild. I was like, I was not expecting that. Yeah. So it's just, you're just saying just culturally, people have to travel far. So it doesn't matter if the scene's not in LA or LA. LA is just a different. LA is a different animal. Uh, LA is 72 neighborhoods. It's like hardly, you know what I, when you're saying heart of the city, like there's a heart, there's a 72 hearts. Oh, I know where it was. I was in the fashion district. Yeah. It's, it, yeah, like I said, it's just like, it's a bunch of different neighborhoods. It's a bunch of different hearts. Okay. It's a different city for, you know, a whole lot of different people. It's a oh, different that's experience. true. Like I had this Mexican artist and he was just talking about the culture in like Boyle Heights area and all. I was like, okay. 
That's interesting. So do you think if we had like all the money and resources in the world, you could change the Seattle culture within like a year? If you like had all of these grants and no, talked to No, I mean, it, it, you know, it's, you can optimize it. You can get it a little bit better over time. I just want everything done right now, you know? That's, that's a young, <laughs> that's a young man's game. <laughs> but so since you've been part, do you think the Seattle scene has only gone up or do you think it's gone down and up and blah, blah? <laughs> I mean, what is a Seattle scene, right? Like, there's been eras, right? There yeah. was Massline era, right? There was uh, Blue Scholars in, in Common Market and Gabriel Teodros. Um, did I say Macklemore? <laughs> Macklemore was part of that, right? And that was huge. Yeah. That was a huge era. Like, people love that shit. That shit went national. People understood that. Like, when I was first living out here, Ross Island from Common Market was someone who gave me a lot of keys someone who said like you gotta you gotta drink less if you're going out and you're trying to meet people um <laughs> you know amongst other things but it informed my politics heavily as well but so that was a wave right and it sustains or it doesn't i mean the thing mm -hmm. about music is like what is success to you what is a successful scene right like a, a lot of the move right now on music that we're talking about sponsorships all that shit is like you gain your cultural capital and then you leverage that cultural capital to make money elsewhere. So through sponsorships, through like, do you think Chance makes more money on shows or he makes more money on hats with a three on them? Like, oh, fuck. you know what I mean? So like, there's waves of music that's culturally important and experiences that we share in creating memories, right? There's experiences where- But LA doesn't go through waves, they just stay where they are. I yeah, guess. but LA is the heart of the industry. That's where the industry lives. So mm -hmm. the end game is such that if you make it in Seattle, uh, Tacoma, Portland, there isn't enough work here for you to get rich, right? You got to go elsewhere to do work. But we could change that, right? Maybe. I think we could change that. <laughs> like, I think that there's a lot of competition, right? We were talking about people being clicky in Seattle. It doesn't have to be that way. I'm open to other ways, right? we there's there's room for everybody the thing is like the infrastructure doesn't allow the same ceiling that other cities do right mm. if you want to be a hooper in in tulsa right there's actually only 30 cities you can go to to get a professional job if you want to be a professional rapper right and success to you means making more than a hundred thousand dollars there isn't the industry to support it in seattle so either you create the infrastructure that creates the incentive for people to stay Mm. or you create the culture of mentorship that allows people to learn how to get the bag and bring it back. There's a lot of different ways to do it. We just have to be more collaborative um, and we can't let the mid fly. But why aren't people doing that right now? Like there's people who probably have money. There's people who do have money in Seattle, right? So like, yeah, I mean, there've been eras, right? Where uh, let's say like Rudy Van Gelder jazz era, right? Where like, there are rich patrons who are paying for someone to record an album to put it out because it's culturally significant. Well, right? why is Kenny G not sponsoring my podcast yet? Talk to him. <laughs> Go like hit him up. You know what I mean? Like ask for it. I think that's the <laughs> other thing is like, I mean, I think capitalism is a problem. People <laughs> want to hang on to their shit. There's no incentive to build that. Yeah. There's no incentive unless there's a financial incentive and the money is usually not in music. Like that's at the end of the day, the money is usually not in music. Follow the money. It's like motherfucker from the, the wire. But you can make 
You could be a local artist and survive off local shows, maybe, right? Or no? Yeah, you can gig six nights a week and you can have a blown out back by the time you're 42. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> what do you want? What kind of lifestyle do you want? Damn. Like, in art, in physical art, right, you can name your price tag. You can say, right. my art is worth this. When Mock Homie does that on a rap album, people are like, you're a fucking asshole. That's not how much music costs. Because right? isn't he new, though? Like, how? Actually, I don't know. That man is in his 40s. How? But I didn't even know he was around until he just dropped his newest album with West Side Gun. Right. But so would you say he just popped off, though? Or do, did he have a huge following before that? He has a cult following. He has people that have been following him for four or five years. Okay. He, his first shit was released in like 2004. So he's been playing the background, I think, getting money other ways. Um, and it's only now, I think, that he's become uh, part of the canon, part of the larger lexicon. Right? He got his uh, Rock Nation brunch picture or whatever, oh, so yeah. now people are paying attention. But like, there's people who are successful on the underground. There's There's rappers here. There's rappers like AJ Swade who have been, I think, a successful like working man's musician for a long ass time that shit's only going to build i mean you think about there's so many different models right there's tech nine right who like just toured every single small little town toured 325 nights a year for 20 years <laughs> and now can eat off that right but it's yeah. like what kind of life do you want to live an easy one that's fun yeah i can make music i don't know i'll tell you what you don't get both like unless you're idle rich you don't get both if you want to work in art you want to work in music, you want to work in entertainment, you don't get easy and fun. You get hard and fun. You get uh, easy and boring, right? But you don't get both. Yeah. Damn. Well, let's get into your name. I looked up Golden Beats and I found some fucking beats that you can eat at like a grocery store. Yeah, it's so. a dumbass name. I shouldn't have picked it. <laughs> Do you like Golden Beats? Uh, I do. Okay, so maybe that's what inspired you. Decided... So in 2000... One percent. Oh, yeah. He actually spells it like B-E-E-T-S. So it's like actual golden beets that you can buy at a grocery store. Yeah, I spell it like the food, but one word. Um, I was on a road trip with a friend of a friend. So it was like my best friend and then his best friend from college. We were going to Rock the Bells in San Bernardino. Oh, okay. It was awesome. I saw Slick Rick. I literally bumped into Base God. Ooh. Like literally in person met the bass god himself um J saw j electronica before he was huge you need to check out I you guys both need to check out idk's uh, new album i was bumping it yesterday it was really good Dude, fucking M he got mf doom j electronica i forget who else was on that song oh west side gun was on that he was song. on that song too um wow. the one i really liked was the one with sway lee and rico nasty it's like the neptune's mm. produced beat that was di very different for idk i feel like yeah, that's my shit. I love. I'm I'm a Pharrell guy. That album's so good. Um. Anyways. Yeah, yeah. So on this road trip, dude's last name is Golden. I was like, hey, if you're a producer, you should go buy Golden Beats. Um, I love Golden Era hip hop. It's like where I come from. I make crusty dusty shit. I make a lot of different shit now. But like, he's like, yeah, you should do that. You're like, you're a producer. And I was just going by my full name, which is a fucking mouthful. So what is your full name? Thaddeus Ginsig. There's, there's one of me. What's your what's your like, ethnic background? Um, so my last name is Austrian. Okay. Um, but that's like only a small part of it. I'm just a lot of different kind of Ashkenazi Jew, okay. which is 
Jews that instead of like a, a Sephardic Jew was in Spain through the Maghreb in like northern Africa, Ashkenazi Jews are folks that went out of Israel up uh, towards Eastern Europe and then spread out across Europe. So do you, you sell, you're Jewish then? Uh, of Jewish heritage, um, I'm a secular Jew. Okay, because where I grew up, like there was a huge Jewish population. So I didn't, I didn't realize until I left where I grew up that being Jewish isn't really huge. <laughs> of course, because of the Holocaust and all that. Yeah, but like I was so used to having Jewish friends, I was like, wait, it's it's weird to know a lot of Jewish people. I mean, the the other thing, right, is like when something like the Holocaust happens. Um, we don't have to dwell too long on this shit, <laughs> but like. Uh, a lot of people, for one, right, a lot of people stop believing in God. So you get a lot of people that are, you know, secular, you know, of Jewish heritage, but not practicing. Mm-hmm. The other thing is like, um, you know, at certain times in this country, right, Italian people weren't white, Jewish people weren't white. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a lot, it was very easy for a lot of Jewish people to assimilate into white culture. And part of that was abandoning your religion. And abandoning your culture so the reason also that judaism isn't huge uh in a lot of ways uh is because people sold out that part of their culture in order to assimilate into whiteness mm. and did you celebrate a bot or is it bar or bot um bot mitzvahs women uh bar mitzvahs men um and i did not you could pull a drake when he did that was it hyfr song with little wayne yeah, just run it, run it back. Through yeah. a fucking bar mitzvah. Yeah, bar mitzvah. Maybe, maybe instead of at 13, I should wait until I'm 39 and just do it triple big. Oh, shit. I better be invited to that. There we go. We can do it at the Space Needle. My goal is to eventually buy the Space Needle when I make enough money. And then I'll turn it into a studio. Wouldn't that be wild? That would be wild. That would be inspiring. That's, that's my goal. And I have a skyscraper. So that's me. So anyways, Golden Beats, how long have you been producing... Long ass time. Um, so, easiest way to tell this story, seven years old, cassette tape, taping hip hop from the radio. Nobody told me to do this shit. It's just magnetic. Pirating, like, you're going to jail. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> the, the original pirating, just taping with a cassette tape off the radio. Um, so I just always loved it. Always loved hip hop. Um, Orcas Island is probably one of the whitest places in the whole fucking world. Is that part of the San Juans? It's part of the San Juans. Um, 4,000 people, graduating class of 22. Um, <laughs> so there I was. There's no hip-hop scene there. There's like a couple people who rapped, right? So <laughs> MacBooks come out and they have GarageBand on them. Okay. Yeah. And in my head, I already know like, okay, this is breaks and samples, right? And you put a bass line under it and you got some rap. Dude, it's so hot in here. This man's swiping off the sweat. <laughs> they need an AC in it's, this studio. It's beautiful. It's summertime. <laughs> my Mediterranean skin is turning green and glowing. It's beautiful. <laughs> um, so MacBooks, MacBooks come out, right? They got GarageBand on them. I like messed with all the loops, but then I realized you can like import your own samples and shit into there. And so age 14, age 15, the rest is history. Damn. When's the first time you started making any type of money off of producing? Shit, I still don't make any money. Um, (laughs) I would say 18, 19, you know, making like 75 bucks a beat, um, working with people in Bellingham, Washington. Yeah. There was a crew there called Sunday Cypher. And basically on Sunday, people would get together bring your extracurricular uh what of choice (laughs) and uh even if you don't rap you have to rap yeah so it's like if you're there you have to participate which pros and cons is you have to hear a bunch of people rap really poorly the pro is that 
as a rapper and as a producer. So I, I like, you know, I rapped a little bit, but like really it helped me explore pockets as a producer and understand how to do that. So this sold my first beats back then, you know, here and there have made money working on a project with people. Um, great thing has been making less money and making more of the music that I want to make lately. How did you get in contact or how did you form a relationship with day one? Um, so I've always admired AP and, and Jimmy. Um, for the listeners out there, people have the misconception that it's all AP. It's a partnership between AP uh, and Jimmy. And how Club. old are these guys? Um, I think Jimmy's 27, 28. AP's 31. Oh, wow. So you guys are all the same age. Ish. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so AP and I have always just like interacted on Twitter. Um, I really got put in touch with him because he had a podcast. Um, why wasn't I put on that podcast? This was, this was, oh wait, I've checked it out actually the day one podcast, right? Well, there's, there's, uh, what? Isn't there a day one podcast? Yeah. But what was the old, what was the old one called? Yeah. Town, town talk. So the old one that, so this past one, the most recent one is live and Jimmy and AP. Okay. Um, is it still around? No. Well, you guys are in a podcast studio. If they want a new producer, I'm already making. So I'm I'm producing for Sam Chow now. He's coming in like a couple hours after this. So yeah. If they want to make a podcast, I could be their producer. So just let Be- them know. beautiful. Um, okay. yeah. So there was a podcast even before that one where I was a guest on there. Okay. Um, after producing for Dexamora, um, he they had me as a guest. Chopped it up with AP. Um. We see eye to eye on a lot of shit. It's really, really remarkable. Like, he's louder than I am about it, but realistically, <laughs> like, we have a lot of the same takes on a lot of shit. Um, Jimmy was just like an Instagram and Twitter account that I followed for forever. I had no idea who he was. He was just plugger. And this man has the most impeccable taste of anybody. Like. I pride myself on being huge on music discovery, mm-hmm. like just digging, finding shit. Same. Um, Jimmy blows me out of the water. Like huh. his shit is impeccable. He'll find you British shit you've never heard. He'll find you indie shit that you never heard. He'll find you trap shit you never heard. Like I am blessed to be in a group chat on a daily basis <laughs> with these guys working my job. Pat comes through. Goddamn, this is great. So um, linked linked up with... Jimmy via linking up with AP. Um, I kind of like like a phoenix, like burnt myself to the ground and rebuilt my shit with music where like I always had this mindset that to be successful, I'm going to have to be successful making money from music. Like that is what success is to me. And I got in a relationship. Um... I was paying rent sometimes and sometimes not making rent mm. on music shit and that shit didn't work for me. Um, went back to school, got a job, yeah. um, had to take a break from music, but ultimately have developed a new relationship with it where it's like, this is what I love and this is what I do because I can't not do it. So as long as I'm doing it, I want it to be as valuable as possible. I want to create experiences that are really, really positive. Um, and I, I want to take this really seriously but I don't necessarily have to attach making the maximum amount of money at all times to it. So 
it just made sense after a certain bit where I had all these beats, like mm. hundreds. Perry's got the folders. Um, where it just made sense was like, I need help. Like, I don't have the energy to send packs out. I'm in Portland. I'm not shaking hands with people in Seattle. I'm not in so LA. you live in Portland? I live in Portland. Oh, shit. You need a, I'm a, about to plan my next tour and I'm going to do it in Oregon because driving 18 hours to LA was a fucking long That's, that's a beast. So that's, I'm going to do um, Oregon next. So I'm, I've already been lining up some, well, I've been just writing down names that I want to have. Hit, hit me. I'll introduce you to folks. Um, but you know, I wasn't out, I'm not outside. Like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm up early. I'm to bed early. <laughs> so I need, and it's part of something I've been trying to do the last couple of years is like ask for help when I need it, identify it, not drive myself crazy. Yeah. So it just made sense at a certain point when I was already working with AP and Jimmy and, and day one, um, just made sense to actually, you know, sign a contract, make it official. And do you say you're a Seattle artist or do you say you're a Portland artist or? I don't know. That's a hard one. Right. So I've lived all up and down the West Coast. I'm from a small island that, that doesn't really like help anyone understand me musically. So I'll usually say I'm a Portland-based artist. Just here an Orcas Island artist. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if you know what I mean. Leading with that is is a curveball because um, I don't live. I don't live there. I don't even visit that much. I, I love it, but I love my family. But it's just so small. Yeah. Um, but you know, primarily, I am working with Seattle and Chicago artists. Do you make the drive a lot to Seattle, then, or since vaccination? I think I've been up here like four times. So, jeez. Yeah, the first three or four years I lived in Portland, I didn't visit like at all. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like reserved my energy, and now I've been back up having a good time. There we go. And what what's next for you, Golden Beats? So I dropped a beat tape called Somalia, um yesterday. Yes, sir. Um. Go stream that, everyone. I keep looking over there. I think the camera's right there, but it's right in front of me. Yeah, Go stream yeah. that, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Um, yeah, just trying to push that a little bit, have it there as a portfolio piece, and, and it's just going to be singles and, and collaborations with artists. Um, trying to introduce, like what we were talking about, like, trying to get Portland and Tacoma and Seattle to be less clicky and play nice and try try to try to work with people who I think are talented and introduce people who don't know each other who are talented on a track together to the world. There we go. That's my goal. So my goal eventually, there's a lot of different goals I have, but one of my goals for the podcast is eventually, once I go through a lot of artists, start bringing on previous guests with other previous guests from different parts and just having them all talk together. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful thing. I mean, you brought up Trey and like, I probably just need to reach out to Trey and say, I love you, buddy. Let's work on some shit. Cause I, you know, it's, 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 there we go, Trey. There we go. It's, it's really, it's really helpful to, uh, oh yeah, to put people together. Yes, sir. It's good. So, what's a good final question? We've got a couple, actually. I'll ask you the same thing that I asked Perry. What are your top three Seattle artists? And also, what are your top three Portland artists? Um, I'm going to not answer that question. I'm gonna just give you five. Uh, wrong just, answer. I'm just gonna give you. <laughs> I'm just gonna give you five people I like. I don't like doing top. I don't like ranking people. Like, I just like what I like. You know what I mean? Um, country. <laughs> fuck country music. Um, but ultimately, um, and I think I think I should speak outside of day one because that's the squad. Um, Tacoma rapper named Swanks is probably like my favorite rapper right now. Um, Dude is fucking incredible. Um, I'm 
gonna go ugly frank too um there's a portland rapper named matt randall that i've worked with and i really like there's a portland rapper named um ep um that i just started working with that i really like and then i'm actually going to cheat on my own rules and say a day one artist because Kazadi is a producer. Oh God, I love Kazadi. I'm. Sp- I need Have you heard him. his rap shit? Dude, it's dope. Have you heard his like him rap like rap rap? Shit blew my mind. Jimmy showed me this shit the other night. I've collaborated. With, I've known of Kazadi for a long ass time. I've collaborated with him on production. Heard his rap shit and like I'm just saying this right now so it's broadcasted out there to the universe that like we got to put this man's rap shit out because it is so good. Dude, he's fucking, he's one of my favorite artists. He's the best. I've, I've had Mike Bogan on and he likes it. I need to have Dante Thomas on also. Yeah, no, those two guys, uh, I could give flowers to everyone, but like those two guys too. You got to hear Perry? Peace, Perry. Um, <laughs> go Mike stay. Bogan's talented as hell. Dante Thomas, talented as hell. Uh, Boca, talented as hell. Hell yeah. Well, let's wrap this up. Everyone's got to go. yeah, yeah. What is some final advice that you have for up and coming artists, creators, influencers? Be yourself, ask for help. Um, don't come empty handed, always bring something to the table. If you're asking for some sort of value, um, be sure that you're providing some as well. Yes, sir. What is the easiest way to reach you? Uh, Golden Beats on all the socials, Golden, no space, B-E-E-T-S. There we go. This is the NAS podcast with Golden Beats. <laughs>